0: We all have a different perspective, right? But one's not more important than the other. And that's what we learn. And when we learn that, then we can come together with an openness and a willingness to learn and understand each element, right? Each pole and bring all the voices because only when we have all the voices, do we have the wisdom that we need to make the best decisions. Oh, I got to go. Hey. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. <laughs> I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Hey was on the road but that's why i'm coming home now the drinks on me i think we need a toast see i did it for me now my old friends calling told them nothing's for free told me time is money dog that's why i paid on my fees i was starving for this day now my fan can't eat.
1: this
2: episode is sponsored by liquid IV. when you think of hydration what do you think about how often have you worked out did an intense activity drank enough water but still felt dehydrated if so you're missing electrolytes whether it's off the clock or working our shifts we always stay hydrated with liquid iv liquid iv's cellular transport technology delivers hydration to the bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone one stick contains electrolytes such as magnesium potassium and sodium with five essential vitamins as nurses we know hydration is vital that's why we are giving you a discount with code CONPOD for any liquid IV product. That is code CONPOD, CONPOD, Stay hydrated, friends, and drink responsibly.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Cup of Nurses show with your hosts, Peter and Matt, two nurses on a mission to change this world one conversation at a time. So let's jump right into it. If you find value in this show and want to join us on this mission, please share and review the show. It would mean absolutely everything to us. com for your latest updates, merch releases, and all the info to all of our show notes. For a lifestyle
2: podcast, you can check out WeAreFrontlineWarriors.com. In this episode, we would like to introduce you to Michelle Choseth and Dr.
3: Tracy Christopherson, the co-founders of Missing Logic. With more than 60 years of combined healthcare experience, they help healthcare organizations and healthcare leaders combat burnout and improve satisfaction through the power of a framework-driven approach founded on polarity intelligence. We talk about how the idea of having one solution to one problem in healthcare does not always fit the healthcare model and how polarity plays a role in leadership and healthcare dynamics thank you tracy thank you michelle for being here can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you got started and evolved in missing logic
4: well sure this is michelle i'll start first Um, so i'm a nurse but i always like to tell the people the story that um, i'm here by divine intervention i got pulled out of a classroom in high school by a guidance counselor that said we're going to enroll you in a nurse's aid program and the first words out of my mouth were I don't want to be a nurse, (laughs) and uh, I actually did take his advice, and when I got into the hospital and saw what nurses did, I was totally blown away, and I've had an amazing career in being a nurse. I've always been very grateful for that little divine intervention in my life, and uh, so I actually started out in critical care and uh, became a clinical nurse specialist. And along the way i met my uh, sidekick tracy and we did a lot of work at the point of care together we were doing work way ahead of the time um, related to collaboration and um, and then we led transformational work across uh, the country and eventually i became a chief professional practice officer of a large organization and her and i started doing legacy planning and in 2017 we made the big leap and started our company, Missing Logic, and I'll let Tracy tell you a little bit about how that happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I'm actually a respiratory therapist, but I think I could be a nurse because I've been hanging with them for about 35 years and learning everything there is, so I always say I could probably pick that up, (laughs) but Michelle and I actually met over 30 years ago at Hospital Orientation. It was a huge auditorium And they did the stand up and shake the hand of the person behind you. And that was me. And we'd like to say we've been shaking hands ever since. We worked together as clinicians at the point of care at the bedside and adult critical care. And then as leaders, we kind of grew up together in the organization and um, led a lot of interprofessional collaborative practice um, initiatives and then worked with organizations, as Michelle alluded to, across the country to create healthy healing work cultures and, uh, and interprofessional collaborative practice environments. And um, and so we have a real passion for that. And when we decided it was time to leave corporate, uh, we kind of stepped back and thought, okay, where do we turn our attention? What are the gifts and skills and knowledge that we have that we can you know, impart? And um, one of the things that we realized when you work with leaders and clinicians all across the country, you get a pretty good picture of what's happening and what's, um, what's common across the board, right? What everybody's experiencing may look a little bit different, but it's common. And what we saw were people were trying to solve the same problems over and over and over and the same problems in the other organizations, right? Everybody's dealing and grappling with the same problems and they would come up periodically, right? So they were unsolvable. And one of the things that we had learned in our 30 years of work was that not every challenge that you face is a problem you can solve. Some of them are actually polarities and that you have to leverage them. And so we decided That is the missing logic in healthcare because everybody's a problem solver, right? Clinicians are problem solvers. Leaders are problem solvers. It's what we've been indoctrinated with. It's our go-to skill. And so we decided to to stop and and to really bring this um, polarity intelligence, which is a competency we'll talk about, to healthcare leaders and healthcare organizations um, to help really combat that, that challenge.
1: I love it. I love your guys' synergy too, and how the show is already starting. So, you guys said you guys have a wide variety of experience from leadership. And I know when it comes to healthcare, there's different things to tackle. There's the patient side of things, there's the nursing side of things, and there's the leadership side of things. So, I think there's like a trio that we all need to tackle to change healthcare for the better. So, yes. from your experience, what have you guys noticed in leadership in healthcare?
4: Well, there's good leadership and not so good. leadership, <laughs> And we, we did a lot of studying in that too. And the truth of it is we need really good leaders in healthcare, probably now more than ever before. And um, we recognized, Tracy and I recognized that when the pandemic hit, we'd already started Missing Logic in 2018. So when the pandemic hit, what we noticed is there was a lot of attention going to the front lines, which needed to be there. I mean, you guys are the front line warriors; you know that. We wanted that support the front line. But what we also noticed is nobody was talking about the leaders. So we knew it was going to be a matter of time before the leaders in our healthcare system were going to start to burn out, and that also would impact the front line in many ways that were not good. So. We know that um, that's very important and the American organization of nurse leaders actually did a survey in 2021 that showed in the, in the COVID era that um, over 25% of the nurse leaders are not emotionally well that are in leadership positions, up to 123% of them intended to leave within six months. And they are overwhelmed by the issues in healthcare at this point in time. The other thing that we're looking at is we're noticing there are several strategies to help nurses. And one of the key strategies to help with, um, with nursing burnout is to have good nursing leaders because they need the support of leadership. So we know it's a really important factor in healthcare right now.
0: I guess I think I think the other thing is we need new leadership norms, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We have some old patterns of behavior, things that we've been indoctrinated with that that really end up being poor ends up with leaders being poor role models for the clinicians. And when you really step back and think about it, the leader's the linchpin in the organization. If the leader isn't strong and isn't a solid leader, then the teams that work for them don't have a chance and neither does the organization, right? Because they are the ones that um, determine the health of the organization and whether there will be well-being right because they are the ones that are responsible for the culture and establishing the culture and the infrastructures and processes and if they don't know what it is to have well-being and to be healthy themselves they're not able to take those actions to support the clinicians and so you know we've had we've had norms like you know leaders eat last and everybody else comes first i'm last off the field and those aren't necessarily bad things but they are when that's the only emphasis, right? So when they can't take care of themselves or when 24 hour accountability leads to 24 hour accessibility and they never get any rest themselves, they can't be the best leader if they are depleted and exhausted, right? The organization can't thrive if the leader doesn't thrive. So there's some of those norms, right? That we've got to replace and create some some new norms um, for leaders that will help the staff ultimately
3: right what are some stressors that nurse manager experience because man i've worked at a few hospitals where the turnover rate for managers was about like three to five years and i can not imagine how difficult that would be for the staff and the clinicians where they have a new manager every three years like how can you get on on, on a good path if you're constantly replacing that, that that leader so what are some stressors that they go through and is it just the the pushback from their superiors or is or is it the push that they experience against uh the nurses provide to them because it's almost like as a nurse manager, you're dealing with two sides. You're dealing with upper management. That's not, that's not satisfied because of numbers. And you're also dealing with the healthcare providers that aren't satisfied with the work that they have and the environment that they're working in. So what are some of their, their stresses and how can they, how can they manage those stresses? What are some maybe tips or ideas that, that y'all came up with?
4: Yeah. Well, you know what, you're bringing up a really important point, and that is the emerging leader. So we get, They get put into these new nursing management roles and it's very stressful, especially again, it's always been stressful, let's say that, but especially now and um, they, 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 they need support. So often when nurse managers are burned out and when we've looked at different national surveys, they're just thrown in the job. Okay, here you go. They don't have a lot of orientation. That's very stressful. It's stressful because they wanna do a good job they really care about their team. A lot of times they've been on that team that all of a sudden now they're the nurse manager. So they need some new skills and some new, uh, you know, tools to really help them. And, um, and they need good role models. Like Tracy said, if they don't have good role models of how to have a healthy and be well, you know, be well themselves, then they're just going to perpetuate the cycle. And what we're concerned about is the new managers that are coming in are going to leave even before three to five years. That window's going to even start closing. So that's a lot of the work that we do is we introduce them to different, um, we, we introduce them how to be dynamically balanced and how to really leverage that tension between their professional life as a new manager, but also their personal life. So they're not dropping that and they're not overemphasizing their their professional life.
1: You bring up a very good point because Peter and I have done a lot of travel nursing and anywhere we work, there's always new management that just started their training. They take a charge nurse to a higher position or somebody that's a bedside nurse and they wanna move them up because there's no retention. And these nurses are like, how do I do this? I never you know, did a meeting like this. How do I open up an Excel spreadsheet? How do I document this? So I see these little things just from being a bedside nurse of the internal problem. Yeah, and that leads that. to probably toxicity because now your leader is bashing leadership right that already decreases the morale overall of the unit and you know during the pandemic that was the hardest thing when you're coming to a shift and there is problems with leaders are not getting along or you know whatever it is and it just yeah. hurts the overall nursing culture between a nurse and a nurse and then ultimately that's affecting the the patient what are mm-hmm. some things that you guys yeah. noticed as far as toxic workplace environments or behavior that leads to burnout?
4: Well, one thing that we notice, and this is what we're bringing with Polarity Intelligence, is we're locked into an either-or mindset. They don't recognize that they actually have agency to make different decisions. They don't see two sides of opposing values, which we'll introduce you to in a a moment. But it does perpetuate the behavior that you see, Matt, that, that it just, it kind of cycles down into a vicious cycle, Right. And so we really see poor communication. Um, and then that leads to unhealthy relationships, which is right now in healthcare, what we're hearing is the incivility, the bullying that's happening. And, um, and that a lot of the decisions that are made are top down solely where we really need to hear the voice of the staff in decision-making as well. And all those things can lead to toxic, unhealthy work cultures. Yeah. And I think when
0: leaders feel like they're in it alone, you know, that new leaders afraid to say, I don't know, right? And they want to please everybody, then they're like in that sandwich that you guys were talking about, right? They're yeah. sandwiched between the staff that want something from them, the leaders that, and they end up like feeling like they're an imposter, right? Like I can't do any of it right. <laughs> I'm not doing any of it well. And that just kind of cycles them down, right? Into that yeah. not feeling confident, not building their confidence, that type of thing. And and that's challenging too. Um, And so one of the things, one of the key strategies is really um, they're overburdened with what they believe are problems they have to solve. And so that's why we want to... really help them to develop this competency in what we call polarity intelligence. And so polarity intelligence is really being to recognize and differentiate between a problem you can solve and something that is a polarity, a duality, right? That's two competing perspectives or opposing perspectives. They appear to be contradictory to each other, but they really need each other over time. And you won't get to that greater purpose or achieve your goal without both. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, I think the best way to explain that is through um, really the metaphor of breathing. So we're all familiar with breathing, right? Our body does it for us all day long and, and we work with patients that aren't doing it so well anymore, right? So when you inhale, there's benefits to inhaling, right? You get more oxygen. And when you exhale, there's benefits to exhaling, you remove the carbon dioxide and our body sustains this delicate balance all day long, right? And we will not survive or have life without both. If we overemphasize one and we neglect the other, there's always a consequence, right? We're going to experience the loss of the benefit of that other element, right? If we're only inhaling, we lose the benefit of exhaling. And if we only exhale, we lose the benefit of inhaling. That's how important the relationship is. We have to have both or we can't sustain life. We'll actually die if we don't do this, have this balance, right? Now, all polarities work the same way. So they work the same way breathing does, but we have to leverage them. We have to be aware of them. We have to know what they are. And then we have to put strategies in place to leverage that tension that sits between the two so we can get to that greater purpose or sustain that outcome. And when you are aware of polarities, it's like gravity. They're all around us. We don't necessarily, we've probably experienced them, but didn't know what to call it. And uh, and so when we introduce this to leaders, like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been experiencing, right? Then they they have the language, they have the understanding of what it is and why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. And the truth is they're all around us and they never go away. They're ongoing. You can't solve it like you kind of problem by choosing one solution or another. You have to use the both-and thinking and get both poles. So when you think about healthcare organizations, right? They are, um, you know, founded on the mission of caring for ill. And yet they have to manage a margin, right? They have, they're a business at the same time. So mission and margin, right, is a polarity. You have to have both to have a sustainable healthcare organization. When you think about staffing, right? Staffing is probably one of the biggest issues right now in healthcare. Um, And, but underneath the staffing challenge is retaining and recruiting, So you need to recruit capable staff and you need to retain the ones that you have. So those are just a couple of examples of organizational priorities that we're working with leaders to really understand so that they can leverage them better and really get to those, you know, those outcomes that they're looking for.
2: This episode is sponsored by Mudwater, our alternative to coffee. It has all the benefits of coffee without the anxiety, jitters, and crashes. My favorite ingredient in mud water is lion's mane because it keeps me alert and focused. My favorite ingredient in mud water is chaga and reishi because it boosts my immune system.
1: It's like chai and cacao had a baby.
2: Mud water works with our body, not against it, not like most caffeinated products. Mud water is 100% USDA organic, non GMO gluten free, vegan, and kosher certified. Our favorite way to drink mud water is with a nice froth on top and some honey. Use code Cup of Nurses for discount at checkout. That is code Cup of Nurses.
1: Not to mention with every purchase mud water donate to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Psychedelics. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So what are some some ways for leaders or people in management that can identify uh, these, these polarities? Is there like a formula approach? H- how do you figure out what's a polarity? What is something that I can for sure change? And what is something that I shouldn't maybe not change, but, but adapt to? How do you figure that out?
0: Yeah. So a problem usually has um, solutions that are independent of each other. When I implement, I don't have to implement all of them. If I have three choices, I don't have to implement them all. I can make a choice. I can choose A, B, or C, right? Whatever I determine is going to um, tackle the issue, I implement it, problem over, right? It never comes back, it's solved. A polarity has, you can show up in a couple of different ways. It often shows up as conflict. So you're feeling tension, right? There's a tension between two elements. Um, The other way it shows up also is resistance. So often when you're trying to implement, like change and stability is a great example of that. When you're trying to implement change and you're feeling resistance from people, it's because there's a fear they're going to lose the element that's stable. They like that stability. They want predictability, right? And so they're afraid this change is going to take that away from them. And so you'll know when there's a fear, resistance shows up. That's telling you there's probably another poll that is related to the one that you are trying to address. Um, The other thing is when people want to move from something and to something. Um, So when we want to move away from something, it's because we're feeling the negative consequences of it. Um, Sometimes that can be working as an individual, right? As an individual professional, so much sits on your shoulders, right? You can be overburdened, overwhelmed with the workload, right? And you may want to move from working independently and individually to working with a team. (laughs) I want to share the burden. I want to have, you know, more people's eyes on this situation. So you want to move from working individually to working as a team. Team. But really what you need both is you need to be able to work independently as an individual and collaboratively as a team, in order to get that quality of care right to a deal those to address those issues. So we teach them kind of how to keep their eye on it, and just be aware, and then. Polarity intelligence includes not just understanding polarities, but then it's also about healthy relationships. And so we're always striving for a shared purpose, not just what serves me, and also dialogue so that we can explore these, um, you know, competing perspectives or differing perspectives. Right now, we're so polarized, everybody hanging on to their own point of view, right? We don't want to open up to hear other perspectives. So we give them the skills to really sit in that tension of of competing perspectives and learn the value of both just like an in inhaling and exhaling there are positive benefits to get from both we just have to reveal what those are and have an awareness that it's not about either or it's about both and and when we can recognize the both and we can let go of our fear that we're going to lose what we value that it's really going to be a complement to it not and either or, right? Like I don't have to give up anything. I can actually gain, maintain what I've got, and gain more. So that's kind of how that works. That
1: I, I love sense? I love this concept because it's a yin and yang, and just like yes, yes, and it's developing self awareness. Just like from a mindset standpoint, right? If you want yes. to install a new belief, you have the old belief that's going to come to the surface, which will create a trigger in your body, which is the subconscious yeah. mind that's going to be saying no 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 don't go to this new belief because you have been told differently because it's been so ingrained so essentially an organization you're trying to change a belief of the organization one thing that stood out to me when we're speaking was between margins and mission i think as a staff nurse understanding how the business side of healthcare works we always feel as staff nurses we don't get taken care of we're the last to be looked at as far as spending on nurses week, whatever it is, they're trying to cut as much costs from the staff nurses, right? I'm just vouching for anybody that's listening. So sure. as you guys are consulting or speaking to the, the leaders, how can we find that balance between the margins and the mission, So the front liners have a little bit, a better relationship with the leaders so we can work together on the one goal, which is uh, patient centered care.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the frameworks that we work with healthcare organizations with is our Healthy Healing Organization framework. And uh, it has three pillars. One is people because it impacts every individual that works in the organization. So important, but also the processes. So we know that infrastructures are really important to living the mission and margin polarity. So you need to have a place where you can balance, if you will, the hierarchy within the organization, which is needed, you can't run an organization without hierarchy, with the vertical partnership, the networking, the touching the clinicians at the point of care that they're living care, care all the time. And then you have to have processes in place that to, to support that. And what we've learned is if you can come to the table with that type of infrastructure to talk about the mission, to talk about the finances, the margin, it, it helps you have a greater... Purpose. You under both sides understand more how that polarity works. And um, and then it helps you appreciate, like Tracy said, it it helps you appreciate both. And it doesn't mean I have to give up my mission to understand how the business operation or how the directive decision-making is necessary. I can complement that. So that's just, that's an example. And then we also know there are, um, There are variables within every organization that need to be managed and we actually can measure those and margin and mission is one of them. So we can make it visible to an organization. Wow, this is how well you're managing this. And they may, we have worked with organizations that are really high on the margin and low on the mission and vice versa. So it's helpful too, to once you know where you're at it helps with your strategic planning and how you can, Put simultaneous action on both of those polls. So that was a great question.
0: Yeah. And we worked with leaders who, you know, really have leveraged the infrastructure on their unit to have staff engaged in. Let's talk about the budget. How are we setting the like teaching them and learning from them about the things that are important? So it's we all have a different perspective, right? But one's not more important than the other. And that's what yeah. we learn. And when we learn that, then we can come together with an openness and a willingness to learn and understand each element, right? Each pole and bring all the voices because only when we have all the voices, do we have the wisdom that we need to make the best decisions.
3: Have y'all worked with both leaders in union hospitals and non-union hospitals? Yes. Yeah. Do, Mm -hmm. is there any differences in their, in their struggles or is it fairly the, the same?
4: It's, this is, it's been my experience that it's been the same because what we do, it brings it right down to why we got in healthcare in the first place. And I think when you talk about healthy relationships, meaningful dialogue, and then understanding the tension that it can exist in a union environment that also can, can help. Uh, and we have worked with leaders to even help that be transparent. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've worked with both.
3: Okay, what is like the most common thing that that they struggle with or that they're they're missing? Is there anything that you see that's a commonality between leaders and and healthcare facilities, or is it just kind of different problems in, in different areas?
0: I think there's a overall, when it comes to especially what we're experiencing right now, the challenges are pretty common.
4: Yeah.
0: You know, there's kind of a core set of challenges And what we're so mindful about is if we look at those challenges only as problems to solve, then we're gonna fail. And that's what we're so worried about, right? And so we kind of take this core set of, um, of, of polarities that are present in every organization. And what we want are healthy healing work cultures. We want the best place to give care. We want the best place to receive care, right? We want everybody thriving in the organization. And there are these certain tensions that are present in every organization that that's the place you need to start, right? So to your point, it's the clinician experience and the patient experience. It's the clinician's safety and the patient's safety. And right, it's it's the mission and the margin and the retention and the recruitment and really optim, you know, working optimally to our scope of practice, as well as getting the tasks that need to get done done, right? And so there's these core ones that when you really look at them in their entirety, it can give you the picture of how healthy is our organization is if we overemphasize any of those, we are going to suffer the consequences. And it's unintended, the leaders have the best intentions. But if they're not aware of this, then we end up in those unintended consequences and everybody in the organization suffers and so do the patient and the families, right? And so it's really working when we engage with healthcare organizations or engaging with them around these kind of 10 core polarities to say, let's start here. It's not that there aren't problems and it's not that there aren't things to address, but if you start here and put the infrastructures in place and have the process and evaluate your processes, you know, we put things in place, but we don't always evaluate the impact it's having, right? We, we evaluate the impact on the poll we're looking at, but we don't evaluate the impact across the board. And so this gives a bigger, broader picture, right? For them to work
4: through.
3: So what are, the, these, what are these, these core issues and what kind of ideas that the job bring to these facilities to help uh, kind of adjust these problems?
4: Well, the, one of the first things we do is we do an organizational assessment. And so we can tell them they can see a mirror oh, wow, this is how we're really over-focusing patient safety to the neglect of clinician safety. And that's a big issue. Clinician safety is a big issue right now with all the violence. And um, so we kind of can bring it to them with data. And that's really helpful. Then we help them implement action steps, and then we can reevaluate it. Yeah.
0: So I really, um, a big thing about working with us and organizations is we don't want to uh, rip and replace, let's just say, right? Like organizations already have a lot of things in place that they leverage, processes, different tools. What we want them to do is step back and evaluate how effective is that in your organization? Is it impeding or, or um, you know, or supporting a healthy work environment? If you're not getting the outcome from it that you want, then you need to adjust, right? And so, this is about dynamic balance. So we're teaching them also to be a rapid responders and to balance this, mm-hmm. making changes, then reevaluating what's the overall global impact. Um, and so one of the things that we are, uh, we bring is uh, again, these uh, infrastructures such as councils, right? So Uh, Shared governance council. What's your structure like? Who's at the table? What are the conversations that you're having? Sometimes councils just focus on practice and they're not having the deeper conversations about how are we in relationship with each other, leaders and staff. What kind of conversations are we having? How, do we, how are we creating a work culture where we have work-life balance? How do we engage them in making up? What are some of the actions we're going to take? So the organization has the knowledge. The clinicians have knowledge. It's tapping into that and helping them to create action strategies based on what they know about their environments, where they've been, and where they want to go. So we don't always come in with a whole bunch of strategies. We help them evaluate what you've got is working and not working and then help guide them in relationship to what we've learned over the years can be beneficial.
3: All right. Any of those strategies, do any of strategies involve maybe hiring more staff or is it just you have to come in and kind of work on what you have? Because I feel like a lot of issues in healthcare and especially working in a hospital is I understand that nursing is is the highest cost to the, to the hospital, but it's also where they always point the figure is to where the problem is and every hospital that man i've worked with this there's never enough staff there's never enough staff people always say hey there's a nursing shortage a nursing shortage shortage maybe there isn't a nursing shortage maybe the issue is that nurses don't want to work bedside because bedside is a rough place to work at i never went to an operation clinic i see my doctor and they were short of nurses and i never seen an operation facility ever short of nurses it's always the hospitals being short of nurses so is there is there you could say plan of attack, is it just to work with what they have and, and adjust things a little bit, or is there plan to actually maybe hire nurses? Because a lot of times the, the solution is to hire more staff, more respiratory therapists, more CNAs, more nurses, more aides, all that kind of thing. But it's like that it's like the solution that's right in front of your face that everyone wants to wants to avoid because it's going to increase the the, the cost of, of you could say the the hospital. But it yeah. it really is the most beneficial thing you could do. So do these facilities come to you and say, "Hey, can we work with what we have to figure this out?" Or is it, or do you guys give them like an honest opinion, saying, "Hey, maybe hiring more staff would be the best idea for you?"
4: Well, I just want to say a lot of, I want to echo what Tracy said. A lot of times, the wisdom comes from the organization. We just help them take a look at it through a polarity lens. So, if you are always looking at it as a problem, it's never going to be fixed because under it, it is. A, it is a problem. Staffing is a problem. But underneath of it are all of these tensions that need to, to be managed. And they haven't looked at them that way. They've only looked at it as a problem. What is the solution? They try to fix it. And that's why it never goes away. Yeah.
0: I think one of the things when it comes to staffing, you, you know, it's not an either or. Yeah. So it's not hire more. Right. It, it It's both. It's How do we retain the very best staff that we have, create a culture where they want to stay, create a culture where they really love to work here, they would never think of leaving. So you want to create that culture that's going to keep the very best clinicians, right, and you want to create the opportunity for them to come in right? So you've got to create, if you have a healthy work culture and the best place to give and receive care, people will flood to it. You won't have to worry about recruiting because they're looking for that. They want that. So we're like, think beyond the problem. Think to the outcome that you want, right? What is it that you're trying to create here? Gets back to the mission and the margin. You have to balance the mission of caring for patients with the margin. That's just a reality, but how do we look at it through this duality lens and know that there's no silver bullet, there's no either or choice, it is both and, and there are multiple things that are influencing this. And so yes, do they have to work with what they've got? Yes, sometimes they do, but how do we then um, leverage teamwork? How do we work differently? How do we tap into the expertise of the people at the point of care to say, okay, it's not just about the leaders coming up with the answer. It's about how do we engage the knowledge and wisdom of those that are at the point of care who know better ways to do things, right? How do we bring them in to say, we own this together and let's start working on it. Right. And it's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. But if you look at it through that polarity lens and you open yourself up to the both and realizing, right, both are equally important, both are necessary, then we can work together differently. Then we work on the relationships and that we're here for a shared purpose. We all ultimately want the same thing. It's just, how do we get there collectively? So that's kind of what we help them really step back and look at, look at the both and and what are you doing and what's working or not working. And when it's not working shift, you got to do something else, right? Or if it is working and not as well as you want it to optimize it, make some adjustments, but be real about it, right? Stay in tune with it and be vigilant about it.
1: So it seems like all these organizations already have the right tools. They're just not looking at it properly, which kind of comes back to what you guys are saying is creating Self awareness and just yeah. kind of uh, what you said earlier, Peter, by uh, nursing unions. So now that I'm thinking about this as a whole, so there's a lot of tension between leaders and staff. Leaders don't understand how to take care of staff properly. They're not self aware of the proper tools that they have. So then, that's a burden to staff with poor leadership. And then we don't know how to solve the issue. So what do we do? We just go to nursing unions to try to be the middleman, yes. the mediator between this, yeah. but. Kind of comparing it to diabetes, it seems like that's just a Band-Aid approach. We're just pushing some metformin and insulin to this where there's a bigger <laughs> Band-Aid, bigger wound we have to heal. So, uh, yeah, it just blew my mind thinking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. We're just trying yeah. to solve the problem, but it's not a problem. That's right. Right? It's not the, It's not a problem with a single solution. There's multiple, and there's multiple layers. So it gets complex, but really it's it's simple until you start looking at, you know, the layers of it, but it can be leveraged. It can be managed and we can be better for it. And this to us is the optimal time, right? Let's stop trying to fix it and step back, fix those things we can definitely. And there are problems. We're not saying there aren't, but let's look at them through the, let's identify the ones that aren't problems and leverage them. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you think there's too much logic involved and there has to be more creativity and I'm kind of using a logic thinking of like a child for example if a child has building blocks and they build their their piece and they don't like it they just knock it aside versus an organization they're trying to somehow keep stacking this piece together to make it work versus like you said taking a step back and trying to see how can we rebuild from the ground up because we have all the pieces to make it great we're just the structure's just not there
4: Yeah. yeah well we don't know how things relate to each other we're looking at them separately we're not looking at the interdependency that you do need both. Yeah. So, um, th- th- it's that's- like looking
0: at it from inside the box.
4: Yeah. Right. We're
0: in the healthcare box that we've been in for how many years, right. Forever. Okay. And we can't see what's outside the box from inside the box. So what we're trying to do is get them out of the box to look down on it and see it differently. Because if you keep looking at your environment through the same lens in the same space, you're gonna keep coming up with the same solutions. They just look a little bit different. You're gonna keep moving the pieces around, but in the same configuration, basically. We need new pieces (laughs) and we need a new blueprint, right? We need to look at it totally different. So we got to get out of our way or we're never gonna have transformation. We've got to come at it totally differently.
3: Yeah, Tracy, you mentioned a really good point a little bit ago about about the environment. Because when, like when I mentioned staffing, it's just, it's like this forever problem. Like, where, What is enough staff? Is a three-to-one ratio enough? Is one yes. or two in ICU is one-to-one? Where's where, where the solution to this problem? Well, there really isn't a solution. Maybe let's take a different approach and maybe focus on the whole nursing in the clinical environment. Let's try to promote a happy, healthy workplace. And that's going to improve retention because... I'll be honest. If if I feel loved at work and, and cared for, I'm more likely to, more likely to to come back. I'm not gonna want want to leave because then I'm not gonna have that right. that same care I get somewhere else. So that's right. a really good approach to think as well. And that's an actual thing that's actually changeable. Maybe you can't hire enough nurses because there isn't enough. Maybe it's impossible to hire enough nurses because what are the correct ratios? Is med surge supposed right. to be four to one, five to one? What's what's healthy? Every patient is different. Every patient is different. So is a do we staff based on acuities? There's really no one solution for that so if we can't solve that let's focus on something else that we can improve and you mentioned improving the environment is a a really good place to start let's make sure nurses feel safe let's make Mm -hmm. sure they they feel loved let's make sure they're not hungry let's make sure they have enough enough support and that they can work together because a lot of times Matt and I can differentiate between good units and bad units not the way they're staffed but the way they communicate is a teamwork there There, there's been a handful of times where Matt and I entered a unit and we're like damn, you know, they have enough staff here, but it, but it sucks. No one's really helping each other. And I felt like the short staff unit where we used to work at actually functioned better short staff because everyone helped each other out compared to this one where you hear college going off, but people don't, don't care because they have their their two to one and that's all they care about. So building a, yeah. a good environment is, is a really good place to start. And I feel like that's where leaders have to maybe open their eyes up into a little bit more because that's something that's new. I feel that feel like that's trending. Um, yeah. y- y'all have been nurses for a lot longer than us. I'm not sure how, how units change over time when y'all were uh, working in hospitals, but, but Matt and I are slowly seeing, you could say, a more care more focus put on unit satisfaction.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. And what you're describing, Peter, is culture. And we, we have defined culture um, as, you know, and those units where you feel the difference. It's the souls that work there are connected. They're connected. They're, the intention is there. And you can have a units, you know, to your point, with a lot of staff, but it's unhealthy. They're not connected. They're not supportive of each other. You actually feel it's invisible, right? You feel it. It's invisible. And that's what polarities teach you. They're there. They're invisible. But if you understand how they work, you can then do something about it. That's yeah. why we're bringing this competency for it. And I love the Yin and Yang analogy because it's very much like that. It's energy. yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's separate but yet bound, bound together, right? And I think too, Peter, it's like um like you were saying, it's the environment, and you know, you can keep doing the same things and and you know, um, organizing care and delivering care the same way and never have enough staff. But if you just make a switch, if you just transition how we're delivering care, what is the compliment, right? Like you can have, enough, it can be plenty of staff, can be too many staff, right? Depending on how you organize it. But if we keep doing what we've been doing and we only see it, this is the only way, but we're just rearranging the chairs, right? It's not ever going to be enough. So we got to really think in this new day and age, what is the new way for care delivery, for nurses and in teams with other health professionals? How do we, how do we take advantage of this to really, really transition it, right? Really transform so that we can have these healthy work cultures. What's it going to take?
1: Right. I and mean, we have a powerful conversation here with amazing leaders, right? It's, you guys are coming from a leadership standpoint and something that Peter and I are obsessed with because we started like the frontline warriors movement is consciousness, yeah. right? But it's also realizing how disempowered and hopeless nurses feel and it's also taking the power mm-hmm. back to them because how can we change things if we can't change ourselves first to to create that yeah. change so it ripples not only to the hospitals and culture and organization but also to our patients and communities and that change starts from within so if we could empower mm-hmm. nurses from not feeling as victims and you know the, the other mm-hmm. polarity which is leaders we could really have an amazing healthcare system because we spend a lot of GDP on it, and it um, doesn't have a lot of return on investment. Clearly, That's so.
0: Right. <laughs> nope, you're so spot on. You're so spot on about yeah. that. Yeah.
1: What are you guys excited about for the future? With with well, what you guys are working on and everything in healthcare.
4: Well, we we're excited every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and you know what? It's it is changing that one leader at a time. Right. And so for us, we get so excited to watch the personal transformation of the leaders that we're working with. And what you just said is so important is it really starts with you. you it really starts with each person getting clear on um, you know, how they are dynamically balanced and so we work with leaders around a framework, a personal framework called the Thriving Resilient. Um, well, we have a program, but the framework is the dynamic balance effect framework. And so we knew the organization work is really important. But to your point, if we don't work with the individuals, then they aren't going to have what they need. And that's actually where we're, we've been starting is working directly with the leaders so that they can kind of had, have a roadmap and a blueprint to live dynamically balanced life. But you know, again, personal life, professional life, um, activity and rest is a major polarity that leaders are challenged with managing, um, caring for self and caring for others. So there's some core individual and we just raise their awareness like, oh my gosh, I haven't really been doing a good job on my own balance. So how can I help the staff and how can I help the patients? So it's all connected, right?
0: Yeah. And and once they start that journey, then what we realize is then they're sharing it with their teams, right? So then they're sharing it with the staff. So it's got that ripple effect. effect. But if they don't have an understanding of how to have balance like that, yeah, they can't role model or help their teams, right? So that's why we started with them. And um, and it is about dynamic. So when we talk about dynamic, it's kind of like Tai Chi, right? It's it's a flow because life is never 50-50, right? Work, it, you're never gonna have 50% work and 50% personally. It's not gonna happen, right? There's always times where you have to give more attention to one more than the other, but you just have to know that and you have to maintain the actions to keep the other pole strong. So, you know, during COVID there was so much emphasis, right? All the clinicians at the point of care were, you know not even going home, right? Not, For fear of contaminating somebody. The emphasis was in the work environment. You know, so then you have to think about how do I take a few steps to keep my personal well-being? How do I keep myself healthy, right? How do I keep my personal life strong when I have to give so much emphasis right now in this time to this other pole? So knowing that there are going to be those moments in time when that's going to happen, but you never let go, right? You're always doing something to maintain at least the positivity that you have in the pole that that you have to, you know, um, Maybe give less attention to at that particular point in time, so it's dynamic, and organizations are like that too. It's never going to be 50 50 in all these elements, but you got to go with the flow and maintain that dynamic you know component so yeah,
3: yeah. in the beginning you you mentioned uh, you've worked with multiple leaders and you've worked with good leaders and bad leaders. Is there some common characteristics or traits that good leaders have because for me, when I think of a good leader, I think of malleability. Malle- malleability so having the ability to to change right so you have to always be able to change because if you're ignorant to the fact that the solution you want to introduce isn't working you have to abandon that you, you have to be able to to change your perspective change your opinion and change the way the way yeah. you do things so yeah. what are some characteristics that you all see mm-hmm. in, in good leaders and also has there been a time where you stepped into an organization and and have already kind of foreseen that it's going to be difficult to work with this kind of indiv- individual
4: yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, such a great question. <laughs> um, I think some of the things that we've seen to answer your question, what is a good leader is, um, number one, they're, they're very clear on who they are as a leader. They really know their own identity. They're clear on their values. They make decisions. You know, we all have seen a good leader that makes hard decisions based on values, Um, So that's really important and um, that they're really outcome focused. They keep us moving forward. It's kind of like they don't dwell on the problem or stay stuck. They they keep us moving forward as well. And also they're visionary. Really good leaders are, they know where they want to go. They know where they want the organization to go. They leverage their strengths. So that they that all and if they don't have the strength to do something, they know who on their team has the strength to get them there. So they really focus on that as well. So um, and then they have um, I think good leaders have really good healthy habits, and they and they change their habits if they need to. They don't stay they stay doing the same thing all the time that they've always done. And certainly they recognize polarities. They they have um, they they know how to leverage polarities.
0: Mhm yeah. well, and i
4: would I would say too, they are um, they
0: have healthy relationships mm-hmm. you know, and they are they're excellent communicators. Yes. They're listeners, mm-hmm. you know, and they know how to use inquiry to uncover the wisdom in others, and they, and they are not afraid of that. They're not afraid of a, of an opposing perspective. They actually welcome it. They, they want somebody to show them what they can't see, what their blind spots might be so that, so they have that, always that focus on the shared purpose, right? On that greater purpose of where we're headed in the organization or what it is we're here to achieve. And they know it's not just about them, that it really, it's, it's no one person's going to do this. It takes everybody and they want the wisdom of the whole to, to help them make the decisions that they need to make. So they, they have a bigger perspective than just their perspective. And I think those that are the opposite of all that are the ones that struggle, right? They have all the answers. They don't need other people, right? They're just pushing their agenda. They're not empowering people, they're disempowering people. Um, Those are the leaders that are really, you know, it's, um, that are challenged and challenging, right, for an organization. And I think an organization Um, that wants to have a healthy healing work culture has to be willing to let go of leaders that sit in that space, right? You have to be able to say, that's not who we are. That's not how we operate here. And, you know, give them the tools and the opportunity to grow and evolve. But if a leader refuses to grow and evolve, then it's, you know, you have to say, what's the impact on the whole, the culture, the other leaders, the other staff, and you have to be willing to make those decisions and say, if you want a healthy work culture, you have to do everything you can to make sure the people in it live it, right? And they can't live it if there's toxic people or 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 elements organized, you know, parts of the organization that are toxic.
4: So, mm-hmm.
1: That's powerful. And I think that's what we need across the globe in the United States is just a just healing in the workplace culture i think that's yeah. going to help retain nurses prevent burnout and ultimately having a better dynamic life both professionally and personally mm-hmm. one last mm-hmm. question we'd like to ask all of our guests before we end the show so i guess you guys can each go individually so if you had the opportunity to have a cup of coffee mm-hmm. one last time with anybody dead or alive who would it be mm-hmm. and why
0: you can go michelle
4: okay um Well, I would love to have a cup of coffee with Paula Underwood. And Paula is a Native American um, speaker, lecturer. She's an author. Uh, Tracy and I had the great privilege of learning from her when she was alive. She passed in the year 2000. She um, did a lot with complexities but she made it so simple and I learned a lot about dialogue from her and she actually wrote a book called who speaks for wolf that it reminds me of who speaks for the frontline warriors who speaks for the you know who speaks for people so I would love to have a cup of coffee with Paula today and let her know what we're doing and tap her wisdom some more (laughs) oh that's great Um, so I'm going to go
0: personal here and I, I would love to have a cup of coffee with my mother. My mother passed 16 years ago and, um, you know, you grow and evolve and especially as a matriarch of a family. And there are just so many things we never talked about. So many questions. I have so many things that I would want to share with her and what I have done and the things I've accomplished that I would just love to have one more cup of coffee with her.
1: It's beautiful. Where can people find you guys?
4: Well, we, you can find us via our website, missinglogic.com. And uh, we're also on, um, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those are Missing Logic LLC. We also have a podcast, healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, where we talk about this stuff every week. Um, So that's another great place to find us. Yeah.
0: And stay tuned for our book that's going to be coming out next year.
3: Yes. What's the book about?
0: Polarity
4: intelligence
1: <laughs> oh, look at that for one.
0: healthcare leaders. So for leaders, actually, all leaders.
1: How to be a leader or healthcare leader in the new era, right?
0: Yeah, there you go.
4: Whatever.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, before we end the show, a couple of nurses wants to acknowledge you guys for such an awesome duo that you guys, your synergy is amazing. And you guys bring so much value to the nursing community, not only to nurses, but also for leaders. So I hope you guys don't stop that mission of one leader at a time because we need that change more than ever now so thank you guys
4: thank you thank you
1: thank you michelle thank you thank
4: you so much